Welcome to the Pope on Film. I am Bunny Williams, and with me is... Hi, my name is Reverend Steve. I am the Pope in question. I am the founder of the Church of Ed Wood, which is an actual thing, probably worth a Google. This is episode 271 of the podcast. And Bunny, how many kimonos do you need? Uh, well, seven. Set, well, how about eight? Yeah. So we really should be eight. <laughs> Very excited about today's show. We will be talking about Scientology. We will be talking about uh, box office bombs from 1997. We will be talking about APE. We will be talking about uh, the Beatles and the Blues Brothers. We will be talking about... Joe Garagiola. Okay. And Anna Nicole Smith. Is it we've got a is there anything left to say about her? Um I, I'm just gonna go ahead and say it now. I I read IMDB, I read The Hollywood Reporter, I read Vulture, I read Rotten Tomatoes. I, I read Wikipedia, and everyone says the same story. That actress, Jennifer Coolidge, she based her character in Best in Show on a very shallow woman that she babysat her kids when she first moved to L.A. Bullshit. You're based on Anna Nicole fucking Smith. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> No website will say that, but it's the goddamn truth. She was like in her mid-twenties and married an 89-year-old fucking billionaire for his money. Yes. Fuck you that you're based on anyone who isn't Anna Nicole Smith. Pisses me off is what that what that does. That pisses me off, but but <laughs> gonna save it for later in the show. Are you ready to do this, Bunny? Yes, I am. Okay. Should have uploaded the backgrounds beforehand but hey that's fine have them all numbered buddy yes i i want to talk a little bit about uh about something okay mentioned it last week a portion of this discussion was last uh, it took place last week on Bunny Versus, but I really want this to have its own segment in Act One in the beginning. So here it is, uh, QAnon. Yes, talk a little bit about QAnon because I don't think that people fully know what QAnon is and what they believe. So let's uh, let me try and explain it for those of you who who who. <laughs> jumped into the rabbit hole yet. QAnon is a Trump protecting conspiracy theory that says that Trump is not an idiot. So already you can see that it's full of shit. Yes. So, so many white people, including the media, are just always chomping at the bit to give this white president the benefit of the doubt. Uh, oh, way Trump. too much. Trump 
uh, ever the master at politicking. What he's doing here is clearly playing 3D chess. Oh, Trump. Yes. Trump uh, uh, striking a different tone, striking a different tone here. Is this finally President Trump becoming a presidential? It's like, no, he's not. He's a fucking asshole who's making everything up as he goes along. And you keep giving him the benefit of the fucking doubt. Like, Mm -hmm. fuck you. You know, I totally agree. The lying, racist, corrupt rapist fucking asshole, but his supporters refuse to accept that they might be wrong about the the rapist-in-chief. So the most clueless among them have retreated to a ridiculous fantasy world, the world of Q, where all Democratic lawmakers... Here's, here's, here's something that, that I think that we should do. We should force all Republicans who voted for Trump to mispronounce all of the things that Trump mispronounced. And Republicans are out there saying, well, Democratic lawmakers, and it's like, excuse me, don't you mean law markers? (laughs) And every person who comes in to like, hello, is this your first time visiting this great national park? Yes, it is. We're very excited to be here. And are you a Democrat or a Republican? We're Republicans. Okay, then. Have fun at Yo Semites. (laughs) You know? So law markers, it's law markers, to be clear. So all Democratic lawmakers and all Democratic celebrities, and for some reason, Tom Hanks, are all secretly Satan-worshipping child eaters. Yes. Satan-worshipping child-eating pedophiles, and they're hidden tunnels deep underground throughout L.A. and Hollywood and um, Washington, D.C., where Tom Hanks and Ruth Bader Ginsburg are literally growing babies, literally growing babies. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that they can then be raped and then eaten because of the adrenochrome inside (laughs) of them. Which comes in a little glass vial. Yeah. Which which keeps, which is how Ellen DeGeneres looks so youthful. I mean, wow. I saw a close up picture of her and she doesn't look a day past 67. So, (laughs) so all of this, all of this madness is being slowly, secretly, mysteriously leaked by Q, who is a government agent that no one knows who he is, but he allegedly has a Q level access to the White House, which is very high level access to the White House, right? Uh, With high clearance. And he discovered the truth about the demon-loving, baby-eating liberals who are literally like uh, raping babies and then uh, sacrificing the babies to like a demon, the demon god Baal. (laughs) <laughs> and then and then eating the babies because they're cannibalistic satan worshiping pedophiles so q found out about this and now he's leaking cryptic messages to the true believers and it's all bullshit it's all far right-wing nonsense yeah oh and also a subsection of q thinks that 
Q himself is actually JFK Jr. who faked his death to expose the baby farm on that are underground. <laughs> so JFK Jr. is alive. Let's not forget the fact that he had a very popular uh, liberal magazine. I guess yes. we're just in a fantasy world now. So John John faked his death to expose the baby farms. It's all nonsense. And uh yeah, have Maxwell come over here too. It's all nonsense, and it was designed specifically to comfort the fragile egos of white people. Yes, take it, take it. But but here's here's the here's the thing. See, there's also uh, Scientologists. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I've been kind of so, curious so, why they get kind of mentioned almost in the same breath. Okay. okay, well, well. Uh, so let's just put Q off to the side. And uh, Eleanor, put this plate away. Why'd you give me this plate? Put this plate away. So let's put Q to the side and talk about Scientologists because Scientology has an equally batshit crazy belief system, don't they? Yes. Bunny, why don't you hit us with what Scientologists believe? Okay, well, there was this warlord Zeno, like... Yes, the grand eons, overlord Zeno. Eons ago, and he had basically taken his enemies, the Thetans, and encased them into their spirits into volcanoes. So, which, yes. you know... um kind of like the border camps uh except it's a volcano uh where they were trapped for another couple of eons or whatever and somehow they've gotten loose and they are let's say they're infecting our souls basically kind of I, I mean i mean they're really sort of all over with the whole thetan thing because, yeah. like, like, on one hand, they, like, kind of want Thetans as demons. They kind of want them as angels. So they're, like, all over the place with exactly what a fucking Thetan is and what you need to do with them. Uh, yeah. So then you have to go through a process of auditing where they get all the real dirt on your life. And yeah. they will ask you various questions to try to identify and remove thetans from your soul. And yes. no matter what they ask you, you have got to come up with some kind of an answer. Or, yeah. you, or you are repressing. So if they ask you, oh, what was it like to be a 16th century seamstress, Mr. Steve? You would have to come up with some kind of an answer for that. Yeah, you got to come up with something. Um, it, it's all bullshit. And and L. Ron Hubbard has there's numerous instances where he has admitted before he died that it was all bullshit and all a scam and and shit like that, which I guess is how Klaus gets a cult in the umbrella. <laughs> Beside the point. 
I just wanted to tie that in from last week. But Scientologists, their belief system is absolutely uh, batshit crazy. But this is how they get new recruits. This is how they get people. This is how Scientology is surprisingly popular among Latinos and among the in like Mexico and stuff like that is that they don't come up to you and say, would you like to hear the truth about Thetans and the grand overlord Xenu? They don't do that. They go, um, hello, would you like a free personality test? Yes. Free personality test. Just take 20 minutes of your time. And, and, and people go, Oh, free personality test. I will take that. And that's how they get you. They have found a very simple and effective, easy way to get their foot in the door. Yes. People. And that's why you have to pay to get higher levels because, um, they know their belief system is bad shit crazy. So we got to start you off light Mm -hmm. and just build up to the bad shit craziness so um basically that leads us back to q and our real topic uh hashtag save the children yes which is very popular right now it's especially a trend with young people there's there's three or four different people on my facebook that have just uh, filled up my feed with, well, you know, the real problem right now is 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 uh, uh, pedophiles and, and uh, child human trafficking. That's the real problem, and it's like this is Q reaching their Scientology moment, where it's like, uh, hello, Steve's daughter Amber. Hey, mm-hmm. did you know that? Uh, Forrest Gump eats babies because of some fucking demon god, and 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 Amber says, "Uh, that's bullshit. That's crazy." And then, so what Q has done? The Q and non-believers they go, "Okay, well, let's try this a different way." Do you think babies should be raped? <laughs> it's like, no, I no, that's wrong. Yes, it is wrong. In fact, it's an epidemic that we should focus on, and the media isn't focusing on it. This is the real epidemic. Let's not mention the fact that the people who are promoting hashtag save the children and saying that this is the real epidemic are also people that if you continue talking to them, they're saying, oh, yes, uh, uh, child sex trafficking is the real epidemic. Not this corona business, which is yeah. all a lie that's been manufactured to microchip us. No, they're just yeah. saying the pandemic. This is the real epidemic that we need to focus on. Hashtag save the children. And it's become this trend with young people. And, and so there's four people on my Facebook page that, that have just inundated with hashtag save the children, two of which I can't unfollow because they're family. And it, it's just young people who are out there who are saving hashtag who are you know sharing hashtag save the children stuff they don't know what QAnon is they don't know how batshit insane this is and that this whole conspiracy is just uh a way to protect Donald Trump yes you know that's all that this is. So they're using hashtag save the children to go, yes, well, uh, liberals 
that are pedophiles. This is the real problem and not uh, the pandemic that's killing people. Let's focus on this thing, save the children, and not on the pandemic, which is really bad for Donald Trump. No, let's focus on like, I'm not saying that like, hey, pedophiles are great. Pedophiles are fucking horrible. But the problem we should be focusing on is how fucking dumb Trump is and how people are fucking dying. And when you share hashtag save the children, like, yeah, we need to save the children. We should save the children. Uh, fucking uh, child human trafficking well, that's is the problem. That's the problem. And that's where I feel like I don't know how to like actually engage that when it's certain people. <clears throat> Amber. Um, yeah. You know, when. When child trafficking exists. When we know there are powerful people involved in it, you know, so so it's almost like if somebody really doesn't know much better and they have the hashtag save the children, it's almost like, well, you know, their heart's kind of in the right place. Yeah. You're just really missing the target. Absolutely. You know, I mean... We actually yeah. know things about child sex trafficking. How about we get on that shit? You know? Yeah. We know about and Epstein. We know about his Dalma his 101 Dalmatians girlfriend. You know, we know that, that Trump has been there with them multiple times and has been to his yeah. island multiple times. We know the same fucking thing about Bill goddamn Clinton. You know? Yeah. Well, okay, okay. There is reason to believe. Let's not say we know it, but, you know, there's, there's paper trails of this happening. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's the real thing. Let's find out what's going on with the real fucking thing before we go tripping off into... Tom Hanks? Yeah. Tom Hanks, Ellen DeGeneres. Basically and if there's an actual tie with Tom yeah. Hanks, fuck him too. Yeah. But 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 now we're dumping bullshit. And to me, it's like you dump the bullshit to cover up the bullshit. Yeah. You know? Because now you can no longer sort out what's really going on to all the crap they've pumped into the media. Yeah. And and then there's just the whole idea that like QAnon believers think that Donald Trump who was best friends with the world's most notorious child sex trafficker is stopping child sex traffickers. Yes. Oh, great fucking logic there. I mean, dude. it's all it's it's like my it's like my favorite conspiracy theory that the government and other agencies pump out conspiracy theories to cover up what they're doing. And yeah. people just suck it up and buy into it. So like like I don't even know what's the truth with 9/11 anymore. Because it would take fucking research to get to find out exactly what happened, and I don't want to well, fucking I, do it because there's well, so much crap. 
Well, that's a completely different thing. I really do think that the government should uh, reopen an investigation into exactly how the big bad wolf blew down the stick house. Yes. Because, you know, wood doesn't burn. Yeah, don't tell me they didn't have watch lists there, and why wasn't he on it? You would yeah. think you would think it would be literally called the Big Bad Wolf list. Yeah, but but I think that that so many people are just diving just headfirst into hashtag Save the Children, and yeah, we should save the children. But also, the people who are promoting hashtag Save the Children are batshit insane, extreme far right wing people who are trying to make child sex trafficking cover up the fact that that Donald Trump is a horrible fucking person, and maybe think twice. So I wanted to do this this bit here to just hopefully educate the children yeah. on exactly what this QAnon nonsense is and maybe think twice before sharing hashtag save the children because the people who are behind the popularity of this uh, are fucking insane. Are fucking oh insane people. Oh yeah. Fucking insane. So just FYI. Trump is going to expose it all. Oh yeah. Fucking okay. Insane. Because he can identify an elephant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there's so that's that. So that cut on that. Oh uh, move slightly. Okay. Bunny! Yes. I have reached my goddamn limit. Okay. okay? I, 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 I have had it up to here. I have had it to quote, to, to lightly quote Robin Williams' best movie. I've had about all I can stands. Yes. And I can't stands no more. Okay. I have reached my I am fucking done. Do you hear me? Yes. I have been pushed, you pushed, and you pushed, and you pushed 2020. You just kept pushing me, and it just gets to the point where you just got to draw a line in the sand, dude. Across <laughs> the line. You do not. There's only so much that a person can take, you know? Yeah. What with America becoming a third world country, one of my daughters sharing QAnon conspiracies, thousands dying of a disease, widespread racism, people saying, hey, we're going to peacefully protest police brutality and police going, well, we're going to respond to your peaceful protest with more fucking police brutality. Kids are being forced back to school during a deadly pandemic. The rise of the alt-right. We have Nazis marching on our goddamn streets. And our corrupt, dictatorial president is doing nothing to stop any of this. But you mean to tell me, you mean to tell me, with all of the indignities that I have suffered throughout this horrible year known as 2020, you mean to tell me, (laughs) you mean to tell me, Okay. That 
Kevin Costner's film The Postman was a prophetic work of brilliance? Yes. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. You just don't accept the word of God when you see it. No. Absolutely not. You mean to tell me that Kevin Costner's 1997 post-apocalyptic bomb, The Postman? Um, I have always loved. You back off. You you go to Waterworld. You back off The Postman, bitch. (laughs) Tom Petty was in it. Fucking Tom. (laughs) And he played himself. Yes. Yes. Wow, you're the real famous one here. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you, Kevin Costner. Fuck you. I'm, I'm done. No. Fucking, I'm so pissed off. I'm so pissed off. Oh, oh, this film was ahead of its time. No, it fucking wasn't. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm so pissed off. I'm so big. The the postman is back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. See that I I, I mean oh. I, this, I would just like this... to announce at this moment the gummies are kicking in. Um, okay. I mean, look at how batshit the world is that it's starting to mimic Kevin fucking Costner movies. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that, like, of all the things to come back in 2020, yeah. the, the, this, this movie, <laughs> no. What more indignities will I have to suffer from this goddamn fucking year? Mm-hmm. That now the postman is back. The postman is back. Yes. Dolly Parton came back and became our queen. <laughs> fucking, fucking, fucking Cher is like, hey, I'm Cher. And we need to fully fund the United States Postal Service. And I'm like, what the fuck? What? It- okay. That's, that's just really weird. You know? Okay. 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 It- but at the same time, what much have you heard out of Cher? You know? In the last, I don't know Christ knows I, how I, long. What I have you sold an official share blocker? Yeah. So I don't know. Okay, excellent. So you're wearing your share blocker. Yeah. And it's the post office that's the final straw for share. Now oh she's got to speak out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, I'm so done. <laughs> I am so done. I'm just done. I'm done with 2020. And and put- you can understand why, because it's going to affect her direct mail Etsy business. Yeah. Because what else has yeah. Cher been doing? Yeah. Emerald has an Etsy business. Yeah. No. Yeah. She she makes she makes necklaces out of used jewel pods. Yeah. Earrings and stuff out of used jewel pods. And it, it, there's a lot of young people who, who want to buy fucking jewelry made out of jewel pods, apparently. So she's, doing, <laughs> she's, she's, she's making a little bit of money. So that's yeah. good. You know, but I'm yeah. done. I'm done with 2020. 
I'm going to Sweden. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Who knows what's left? And you know what? You, the world has gotten insane so much that, like, oh man, like, like in my mind, names are forming for time periods. You yeah. know, like, like, who did I see? I saw somebody in face on Facebook because they had died. And I was like, that's got to be an old article because I'm pretty sure that he died in the celebrity death wave of 2016. So, like, that period of time has a name in my head now. It's the celebrity death wave of 2016. Yeah. yeah. You know? In, in Which March. was still started by Lemmy, goddammit. Yeah, in in March, Natasha has this calendar in in her office space, and she just wrote on there in March, like twenty twenty, the year of the plague. Yeah, and 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 she just keeps it there, and and that's just that's how I see this entire year now. No, yeah, twenty twenty, year of the plague. The year of the plague. This is exactly where we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bunny. Yes. Uh, no, wrong, wrong background. Uh, there you go. We still have a big show to talk about. We need to talk about the movie APE. We need to talk about John Landis. We need to talk about Jack H. Harris. We need to talk about uh, Joe Garagiola and oh. Kellogg's Frosted Flakes. Okay. Before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. I concur. We will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after this. Do 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 and break. The poet, the figure model who loves to show it. Do you suppose he could be physically attracted to her? No, man, he ain't the type. He don't get enough vitamin E. All these are beat. All these you'll meet in a bucket of blood. Let us make the scene. Crazy. Enjoy yourself (laughs) where the hilarious enjoy the horrifying in a bucket of blood. Now you're going to shoot me, don't shoot! Come to the land of living dreams where realists dream of the unreal. Walter, you've done something to me. Something deep down inside of my prana. Oh, Walter, I want to be with you. You're creative. Beatniks at their bawdiest. The creative urge at its most primitive. I'm deeply moved. And I shall compose a poem. Love is art. Art is love. 
It's the weirdest and the wildest. I don't want to make statues anymore. I, I want to get married to you. Yes. I love that background so much. Are you ready for America's favorite podcast segment, Bunny Versus, starring the incomparable Muddy Williams? Are you ready? 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 I'm ready. Okay. Well, then, without any further ado, it's time once again for another exciting installment of Bunny Versus. And now here is your host, Bunny Williams, take it away, Bunny. I love that look. <laughs> I loved. Uh, Bob looked fucking awesome. Yeah, you know, Bob looked like I. I wanted him to look like you. You have no idea where he's coming from. <laughs> Yeah, when 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 I started getting serious about my YouTube channel, uh, I was like, I was like, maybe I could set up a little corner of the house, you know, as as like my corner where I can do videos. And and I just thought of like what you said once or twice, which is like the set that you used for the Bob's dirty shorts on YouTube was just this tiny, small amount of space that you filled with a bunch of shit. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that like, I can do that. You know, we had Jesus. The wall that was directly behind me was, uh, about big enough, about big enough to put a nightstand in front of. Okay, and we had a nightstand in front of it, and that was as big as that was, and I wanted to extend it a bit, so on the edge of the wall that went into the kitchen, <laughs> um, I got a piece of pegboard, and I screwed it on the edge of the wall to extend it a bit. Mm. So that's and then we just filled it with with bizarre ass shit. Yeah, Jeannie was always coming home with just because she would just keep her eyes open for stuff, and she would come up with with just bizarre stuff from the thrift shop and shit. Yeah, you know that's 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 yeah. So every time that I do a, a, a story time video in my background. I always feel that my background is a tribute to Bob. Like, right, like, uh, this is a visual thing if you're listening on SoundCloud, but right here is a tribute to a dead cat that I found at a Goodwill in New Mexico. <laughs> I just put it in the background. I just thought it was cute. I don't know whose cat that is, but all I know is that RIP. Yeah. 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 So, um, how are you doing? So, 
So, Bunny, I wanted I wanted what? to mention wanted to mention uh, really really proud of this. It's, yesterday, I was gonna film uh, like a like do some video capture and. I was going to do a video of me playing an old video game, but the kids were being loud. And, and I was just like, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm just done. I'm done. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to record anything. I'm not going to do a thing. And then it just like hit me. Like, like I had a, like a bout of like this creativity slapped me across the face. And so what I did was I went to archive.org and uh, APE was there. Okay. AKA Attack of the Giant Horny Gorilla, AKA King Kong's Great Counterattack, AKA whatever the fuck. So, so, so I was like, okay, maybe I can get this and put it on YouTube. Oh, but that will definitely be a copyright strike. But so then I searched for APE on YouTube, and sure enough, there were like ten different versions of that. There were ten different posts of that entire full movie on YouTube. Yeah, I don't want to mention how much I had to pay for it on DVD back in the day. Yeah, but now it's for free all over YouTube. So I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna do what I what I always wanted to do. So I I, I made my own version of APE and I put it on my other non-kid friendly youtube channel late last night it's got like previews and i put a a, a, an intermission in it and then at the end i put the goodbye at the end of our version of uh teenage mother okay and it's really good it's like an hour the movie's like an hour and 19 minutes but i made it like an hour and 40 minutes with all the extra that i added on there and and it's it's really good i put it up on my on my other channel and i'm really proud of it it had caught my attention but i was like an hour and 40 minutes i don't know if i want to do that right now although i kind of think maybe later tonight i will yeah no it's really fun it's really fun uh, I I, I saw the bunny story. The bunny story? Yeah. Oh yes, yes, yes. I love the bunny story. Love the bunny story. Uh, so how are you doing, bunny? Uh, I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, let's see here. So, I tried throwing the video portions up into a catalog on Facebook. And I don't know if that got as much attention. Uh, I I liked it. You know, because... Yeah. Did that work? Did that seem okay? or? Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, it looked great. As opposed to throwing them up individually, because then people can find them again. And I'm kind of wanting to start to drive more people to Facebook. If you're listening... All you got to do is go to Facebook, search the Pope on film. You'll find our group. This is where the video is getting put out. I mean, I thought about the different YouTube pages and shit like that. I would, I would use Facebook to try to drive people to YouTube. So why not? Why? Why? why, Let's just do one-stop shopping. I'm thinking. Yeah. You know, and just put them out on Facebook. So, 
Yeah, no, it's good. The the flesh frame is done. Not bad. Could be better, but it yeah. uh, uh, again, uh, I need that computer upgrade. Um, because it's really hard to preview the animation on this computer right now. Because when you start doing it, it goes to wireframe and you can't see anything at all. Yeah. You know? So I got to trust that little sliders are moving correctly. And I don't know until I render it out. And then, you know, I don't want to, with how long it takes to render, I don't want to have to go back in and tweak things. So it's good. It'll, it'll serve. Yeah. You know, it'll be a fun little thing for a little while. I mean, it isn't saying to me the Pope on film, though. Yeah. You know, no. Nah. It's saying it's saying chiller theater loud and proud. <laughs> Jesus. It really looks like that chiller hand could come up right in the middle of the screen. It would look perfectly in place. You know, it's got a very odd look to it. So we'll be seeing that coming out sometime this week. Once episodes from this start rolling out. So everybody go over to Facebook. Go over to Facebook. You're listening. I see the numbers. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. We're, we're the show that, like, everybody's afraid to talk to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that makes sense. I made a new gun for Serious Win. Um, Saw that. Which looks... Uh, no, I made a newer one. I didn't like that one. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, and it's it's gotten too complex that I can't texture it. So, again, I need the computer upgrade. Yeah. I tried to take my cards because I got a $100 gift card from work before I left. And then because of TurboTax... I wound up getting my tax refund on a card. Okay. So that's like about $1,000, and I want to dump it into checking and get the shit that I needed. And I finally made it to the bank, you know, with with their whatever. And they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it because you can't get cash advances on these cards. So they couldn't take the money off the cards and just put it into checking. I was like, oh, fuck. Now I'm going to have to call these card people. Yeah. You know, and make sure that I'm, that I'm going to be able to, to use them online. And ugh. it's a big pain. It's just being a pain in the ass for no reason. And I hate that. I'm uh, other than that, I think the paint job on Reggie is almost done. And I'm going to start okay. posting more pictures into the Facebook group as well, so people have some kind of idea of what I'm fucking talking about. Yeah. Um, and then when uh, 
when I do get the old, when, when I do get the new computer, then I'm going to have to start finishing up the other things. Like Dr. Vornoff's not done. Like none of the characters I have right now are actually done. So. Emerald's here. What's that? Emerald's here. Emerald's here. Hi, Emerald. What's going on, man? Hey, not much. How are you? I cannot distinguish your voice from your mother's. Ever. <laughs> huh? That's interesting. You can't? No. No, so I never know which one you are. <laughs> you were just talking about your Etsy store. Oh, God. And the jewel pods. Yeah, it's more of a... Um, what's the word? Side hustle? What, um, kind of, sure. Well, yeah. well, I've, I've been wondering if you're a Marxist yet. Are you a Marxist yet? Ooh, get in there. Huh? Yeah, she's, she's on the road again. She's on the road again. <laughs> yeah. The, the little kids love popping up during Zoom because when I don't have a green screen up, which I do not right now, usually I do, but I took it down last night. Uh, when I'm when I when I do that, they can be in the background for the longest time and not pop up, and then just pop up occasionally, like a like a ghost. Yeah. Like Maxwell's right here right now, and he's he's not popping up at all, and the kids just love that. <laughs> they love it. We're starting school at the end of this week. Woo! We are starting school here at the house. Professor Steve is going to be tough but fair. Did you get your Snape outfit? No, I didn't. I have enough money to get the Snape outfit. It took the longest time to to to, to figure out my my account number and my routing number and all that stuff. And, and so I got it all set up. And I'm going to order it on Monday. The only problem is, is that it took so long to raise the money that now because of uh trump yeah. that like hey order now and with prime you should hopefully get it by october and it's like <laughs> yeah. oh motherfucker that yeah. sucks it's august it's august yeah fucking so so that sucks so i won't have it for like day one but i i i did get enough money for it which is ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> That I got enough money to annoy my children, so so I so yeah I did it. But so you but you'll you'll if you are ever able to return to the story time stage, you're pulling that thing out again. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm wearing that. Just Okay, hold on. You're breaking up some. Just being like prime because you're not moving. Are you having a stroke? No. Oh, no. We're coming back. Maybe if I just hit it on the side. Internet connection is unstable. Yes. Bloody. There you go. Hi, Bunny. Hey there. Have we made it back? It looks it. Okay. okay. 
Yeah. Okay. So I totally forgot what I was saying. Uh, so that's fun. Oh, uh, when when we had Prime Days, when we had Prime Days, one of these years, I, Natasha was going through all the things that were on sale on Prime Day, and and she goes, and that's pretty much it. And I'm like, excuse me, you didn't go to costumes. Yeah. And she's like, oh, but the costumes are all crap. I mean, why would you want a kangaroo outfit? And I was like, why wouldn't I want a kangaroo outfit? And she said, oh, you're never going to wear that. And I'm like, I'm going to wear that all of the time. <laughs> and I do. And I figure it's pretty much the same thing with the deluxe Snape outfit. Yes. That is just, you know, that's just going to be something nice to wear when I want to feel more important, you know? Uh-huh. Put that on you're a goddamn uh, Star Trek villain. So that's exciting. Uh, I'm really excited for this week's Shap. Another story just landed on my lap that I'm really happy about. Yeah. Good. Good. Uh, really excited about that. I probably have too much about Best in Show. Yeah. Probably. I have a lot about Best in Show. <laughs> a lot. It, 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 out of it, there are three Christopher Guest movies that I like. Okay. And out of those three that I like, I like Best in Show the least. Okay. And it's primarily because, and I'll dive deeper into this when we actually get to the movie. Um, when it comes to the people who who make it to the end of the contest, I like the gays. Fuck everyone else. <laughs> There's so many people in this movie that I just want to fucking slap. Yeah. That I just absolutely fucking hate. I hate <laughs> everyone except the gays. The gays love you guys. Everyone else, fuck all of you. <laughs> and every time I watch the movie, I'm like, this movie isn't the best movie. And now I remember that I don't like. And then the show starts, and Fred Willard appears to save the movie. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's why I like this movie. Fred Willard for the save. You know? Well, I think Jeannie really summed it up a critique of this movie um, in a, a small soundbite that it really hits the nail on the head when she said, it's worth it for the dogs. Yeah. Yeah. It, it oh, is. It's worth it for the dogs. <laughs> Here's a question. I don't want you to answer this now because we need to save our wad for when yeah. we actually discuss the movie. But do you think that um, uh, what's her name? Parker Posey and the guy. Do you think they should be charged with dog abuse for what they do in this movie? I say yes. I, I would have to go yes. I say yes. I say it's dog abuse. When he's grabbing the goddamn don't look at these other freaks. They're loose. You look at me. I'm bring, like, bring this up again and let's pray. I remember when we get to the show, bring that up. Motherfuckers again. have been charged for less than what you just did to that fucking dog in this movie. Well, they're, they're also projecting all of their psychosis onto the dog. 
Yeah. Oh, but Fred Willard, man. Fred Willard. I don't I don't feel that way. The dog feels that way. Yeah. Yeah. This has been such a fun summer. This has been such a fun the summer of Fred Willard. This week is our twelfth film in the summer of Fred Willard. How fascinating this has been. You know, big, massive movies that were up for Oscars and then shit. You know, waiting, amazing cult successes like Waiting for Guffman and films no one would ever see like I'll Believe You. Yes. Mm -hmm. This has been fascinating. This has been (laughs) fascinating. So much, so much more fun than the summer of Star Wars. Yeah. A podcast that I used to listen to, I forget which one though, uh had just a sound grab from from Teenage Mother from uh the trailer. Teenage Mother. Mother. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that that bit. And and like I, I I don't remember them ever actually talking about the movie. I think they just grabbed the sound bit. Yeah, you know. That's so funny. like, so like, I, I'm I'm proud I've watched the movie. I just won't ever watch it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a fucking bait and switch that was. Fuck that movie. It's it's a notch in the movie nerd gun. You know. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's that's what it is. And then no one's pregnant. Okay. Okay, that was last week. That was last week. I'm not gonna get angry again. I'm not gonna get angry again. We should watch the kissing booth. Oh yeah, yeah. I've heard about that movie on Netflix. Yeah, it's fucking terrible. Yeah, I heard that it's fucking terrible. Yeah, uh, I've thought about it. When we're finally done with the summer of Fred Willard, I want to go in some pretty different directions. So that might be one of them. Yeah, I was thinking of letting Natasha take over again with it, it, so and and like we do the old guard and I have Natasha do the entire episode, but it'll be Wally again and the episode will end up being like nine hours long because we, we we did Wally once for the yes. podcast. Oh yes, 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 yes. Yeah, Natasha just like like oh my god, that was like two, that was like three yeah, hours. I could do that shit too. Yeah, but, so. Um, I think yeah, we no, should. the kissing booth is originally based off of a Wattpad fan fiction. What? Pad fan fiction? Yeah, somebody wrote a story on Wattpad and then somebody bought the rights to it to make it a Jesus movie. Jesus Christ. And then they made a second one and it's equally as shitty and my friend forced me to watch it and I had to get like really high to watch it <laughs> to like be able to sit through it. God damn. Yeah. So just idea. Natasha is obsessed with the Netflix movie The Old Guard starring Shalise Theron. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I... She loves this movie so much. Yeah. I I gave it a try. I, I, I don't know. You know, it just like didn't grab me. Like, like in the same way Hancock didn't grab me. Fucking Hancock. Goddamn. Yeah. God damn that movie. Yeah, so that's all I got. I think that's all I got for now. I'll post more pictures and things like that. Good. Um, 
everybody get over to Facebook now. It's time to get into the Facebook group, okay? Yes. Before the apocalypse. Yes. You know? Yeah. There is a discount code for your entry into heaven for being on the Pope on Film discussion group. Okay. Yeah. That's where the videos getting posted. That's where I'm going to be posting pictures. We've always been posting shit, you know. Um, How about we but play come hang out. Um. Did I ever when come up with a? Did I ever come up a with a proper closing phrase? When a YouTuber dies. The YouTuber goes up to heaven and St. Peter is there at the gates and says, hello, welcome to heaven. Heaven is brought to you by Raid Shadow Legends. Download (laughs) to get 3,000 free coins. So I just came up with that. I think it's cute. (laughs) Oh, let's see. Closing phrase, closing phrase. Yes. So it was a good. Yeah. Fuck all y'all. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. Nah, trying to get people to listen. <laughs> um, I, I got to go back to an old one of mine. Let the robots like do it. Okay. Nice. Let the robots do it. I like that. Right. Yeah. So until next week, let the robots do it and cut on that. Cut on that. Can you put all the boxes? Okay. Yes. If you're like me, then you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, the Pope on Film Americas. <laughs> podcast really i mean who isn't a big fan but only real fans of the show true hardcore fans uh, would know two things about us two fundamental and totally real real facts about the both of us america's hottest podcasting couple bunny and steve first and foremost the first not made up on the spot totally real fact about you bunny is that when you are not recording the podcast, you manually masturbate caged animals at zoos for artificial insemination, which I think is very honorable of you. So, Bunny, how did you get started in this profession? Uh, it It was my deep, deep devotion and admiration of actor Raymond Milan. Uh, nice. And and I wanted to follow in his footsteps. I thought I could become an actor the way he did uh, by That's starting where he started yeah. by masturbating horses. Like the Muppet movie. Where are you headed? I'm going to Bombay, India to become a movie star. Yeah. So you don't go to Bombay. You go where we're going, Hollywood. Yeah, sure. If you want to do it the easy way. <laughs> so that's that's how I broke into the animal masturbation field. 
uh, because I thought it would lead to an acting career. Uh, nice. Let me tell you, char- you got to charge extra for ducks. Okay. Mm. Have yeah. you ever masturbated a duck? <laughs> Well, not this year because of COVID restrictions, obviously, but, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I'm out. (laughs) And the second thing that you would know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So what I like to do is I like to take a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know too well, and reword it via my own unique razzmatazz. And that's what this is, another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximations! Those of you who aren't watching this on Facebook, and you should, you should go to Facebook and search the Pope on film when he is still cracking the fuck up. Uh, Steve's Historic Approximations, or SHAP, as I like to call it repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name SHAP. It's short, but it's full of wisdom. It's the abuela of podcast segments. Anywho, this week on the old Shappity Shap Shap, we have the fun, true, short story of a beetle and a director. Bunny, let's talk about John Landis. Okay. Okay. Interesting. John- interesting. I, I just finally watched Schlock for the first time. I just downloaded that. I just downloaded that yesterday. Fascinating. Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I just put it on my hard drive so I could watch it on the TV. Yeah, just downloaded Schlock. I, I, I it's not good. But Fun it's fact not about that bad. Movie. He made the movie and then he couldn't get a distributor because no one wanted to touch it because it was supposedly crap. But then, like, the movie was getting passed around to places and then. Uh, fucking uh, Johnny Carson got a copy of it and he yeah. watched it and he's like, I love this movie. Who made this? John Landis. Who's that? I don't fucking know. I'm going to have him on the show. So we invited John Landis on the show and and he's like, what's your name? John Landis. You made this movie. It's called Schlock. Let's show some clips. And so the movie got picked up solely because of uh, fucking Johnny Carson. Yeah. Of all people, Johnny Carson started John Landis's career. That's freaking weird. Yeah, some parts were some parts were really pretty funny, and some yeah. parts were really interesting. I mean, it the ape sat down and played a piano. That's <laughs> I find yeah. that funny, you know. But then other parts were just bad. Yeah, you know, it reminds it, it 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 sounds like that that what the way you're describing it reminds me of King Kung Fu. King Kung Fu. 
Okay. Yes, it's about a, a gorilla that knows kung fu that terrorizes the city of Wichita, Kansas. There's like an entire musical number about how great Wichita, Kansas is. <laughs> and, then like, and then there's like the army guy the entire time is doing a really bad John Wayne impression. And it's just, it's the stupidest movie that I would occasionally see some UHF station when I was a kid. And I haven't seen it since I was like 12. Yeah. But that's what schlock sounds like to me, is just someone remade. Some, this is King Kung Fu before King Kung Fu was King Kung Fu. There's like kind of a plot, and the plot is sort of a wraparound. The, the story is kind of made of a bunch of strung up bits. Yeah. You know? Basically, some of the some of the bits are really funny. Some of them really suck, like the groove tube, frankly. Yeah, I downloaded it because I figured I'd like it because it seems to be the a parody of those type of movies. Like I don't know, Mighty Joe Young, Mighty P King Man, uh, fucking Trog. Yeah, Trog. Uh huh. Those sort of things. So yeah, how weird that you just downloaded that. That you just got it, and I just got it, yeah. and John Landis. Okay, so so the legendary. So we're talking John Landis, the legendary director who made the Kentucky Fried Movie, yes. Animal House, The Blues Brothers, then killed three people, and yet was still allowed to make Coming to America. Yes. How do you pull that off? How do you do that? How do you have a ridiculously successful directorial career? Then you kill Vic Morrow and two underage Chinese children and then still go on to make three amigos. Yes. How the fuck do you do that? And if Uh, you don't mind, if you don't mind me taking a moment here. Go for it. But Ah. fuck calling John Landis a master of horror. Oh yeah! You just oh, heard his fucking his catalog. It's all comedy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I went looking. He at, made I, American Werewolf in London and the Twilight Zone, I guess. And that that's what yeah, other horror looking, chops does he have? Yeah, I went looking for a John Landis background, and I found one where like he's like holding a skull, and it's like John Landis, the master of horror. I'm like, fuck you. Yeah. With your master of horror shit. I imagine that in court, when the Twilight Zone movie accident happened and Vic Morrow was decapitated in an accident along with two underage children whom he shouldn't have been using in the first place. I imagine that in court, John Landis said, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, if you send me to jail, the world will forever be deprived of Tom Arnold's The Stupids. (laughs) Sylvester Stallone's Oscar... And the Pulitzer Prize-winning genius of Blues Brothers 2000. (laughs) And the jury said, wait, Sylvester Stallone's Oscar based on the 1967 French comedy of the same name? And then that was it. Like, they just (laughs) let him. So what's a few decapitated Chinese children anyway? And they just let him walk. So John Landis, a lot of his films are homages. Yeah, because 
John Landis loves movies, so a lot of his films are just like a like an expensive homage to movies that he likes. His first film, Schlock, is a tribute to monster movies, and it was distributed by our man Jack H. Harris. Yes. Who released the original Blob, as well as one of my personal favorite worst movies of all time, APE, a.k.a. Attack of the Giant of the Horny Gorilla. Yes. So Schlock was and a tribute. Forrest Ackerman made an appearance. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Schlock was a tribute to old school monster movies. The Kentucky Fried movie was a tribute to subversive sketch comedy of the time, like National Lampoon and Monty Python and SNL. The Blues Brothers is essentially a musical. Yes. But I think that people who call themselves Blues Brothers fans would like to not admit that. But it's a it's a musical. It's a musical. <laughs> it's a musical. Um, Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy's film Trading Places is an 80s Wall Street version of The Prince of the Pauper. Three Amigos, old silent films. And I never saw this because I was I was going through his catalog. John Landis is over. Yeah. But apparently. In 1985, he did a Hitchcock homage comedy called Into the Night. Yeah. I've never seen it, but uh, finally, the Jeff Goldblum, Dan Aykroyd, David Bowie film that we all wanted. Hooray. (laughs) So long story short, John Landis loves homages. And in the mid-1980s, he had an idea for a new homage. And this was his idea. Okay, I'm John Landis. I got a new idea for a movie. Hear me out. Road movies. In the day, Bing Crosby and Bob Hope on the road to some fucking place. They made a ton of those. They were all successful. Road to Singapore, Road to Morocco, Road to Rio, Road to Tucson, Arizona, and my favorite, Road to Halsingland, Sweden. The scene where Bob Hope is put inside the bear and then put into the is just one of my all-time favorite scenes of all time of cinema. And funny. Funny as shit. So the original plan was to have this road movie star Dan Aykroyd and Dave Thomas of SCTV fame. And as far as I can tell, it was like, Dave, you're a comedy master. We're so happy to have you on this movie. You're going to be great with Dan Aykroyd. And holy shit, we can get Chevy Chase? Really? He's free? Fuck you, Dave Thomas. We're getting Chevy Chase. No one knows who the fuck you are. We're getting Chevy Chase. So the movie in question is 1985's Spies Like Us. And I remember seeing it in theaters when I was a kid. And that is the extent of my recollection of spies like us. Yeah. Hooray. I think I think it has the notable notable uh, the footnote that I think this is the movie where Dan Aykroyd met Donna Dixon. Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. In my mind, the most memorable thing about Spies Like Us is the fact that Family Guy reenacted the entire movie in an episode. <laughs> that that uh, the Griffin family has new neighbors, and it's Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd, and they got them to do the voices, and they're like, you got us, Stewie and Brian. We're not actually actors. We're spies. Do you want to join us? Do you want to be spies? 
like us and they reenact the entire movie and it's it's uh, but still uh, spies like us not the most memorable 1980s comedy film yeah of all time but it is the site of a hilarious story concerning a famous musician so here's the story okay apparently paul mccartney was a huge fucking john landis fan Oh, okay. Paul McCartney loved John Landis. He 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 was a big fan. Well, of well, 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 well. Does does the Michael Jackson tie in? Oh yeah, the Michael Jackson tie in too, because they were making music at the time, probably. Uh, Michael Jackson yeah. and Paul McCartney. Yeah. See you <laughs> next Wednesday. Yeah. So so Paul McCartney was a huge John Landis fan. He was a big fan of all of the movies you're supposed to like when you say you're a John Landis fan. Yeah. So when 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 people say, oh, I'm a huge John Landis fan, what you're not supposed to say is, oh, so you're a big fan of Into the Night? <laughs> no, you're supposed to say, okay, American Werewolf in London, Animal House, yada, yada, yada. So... Uh, Paul McCartney personally gets a hold of John Landis and he's like, hello, John, it's me, Paul. <laughs> this is my Paul McCartney accent, don't you know, by Cracky. So I'm a huge fan of yours, huge fan, big fan of all of your films. I hear you doing another movie, Spies Like Us. It sounds really fab and gear and other British <laughs> slang from the 60s. So Paul McCartney wants to be a part of John Landis's next movie, and he's such a big fan that he's willing to do it for free. Okay. Okay. Just for the honor of being in his favorite in a movie that his favorite director is making. So Paul McCartney, you're doing a movie, spies like us. How about this? I'll do the theme song for you. I'll even do it free of charge because I'm and and I'm gonna okay. write you a song. And if a member of the Beatles offers to write a song for free for your movie, then of course you're going to say yes, right? Yes. Oh, fuck so yeah. Wings, his band, they retreat to the studio to work hard on a theme song. And they work day and night, working nonstop to make a theme song for John Landis's Spies Like Us. And then finally... He's done, and he comes out of the studio, and he's like, I have done. I am done with the song. It's called Spies Like Us, and he's all proud. He goes to John Landis. I'm done with the song. You're really going to like it. It's really good. It's called Spies Like Us, and it's going to be amazing, and you're going to love it. So John Landis, he sits down. He hears the song. It's a piece of shit. <laughs> it is a horrible fucking song. And it, because I'm a professional, I'm writing this story and I'm like, I saw Spies Like Us. I don't remember a goddamn theme song. So I look it up. Yeah. The video features uh, Paul McCartney, Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase at Abbey Road Studios. And they're playing instruments and they're singing the theme song. And a uh, fun fact the BBC banned the video. Okay. There was this weird uh, labor rule that Britain had in the rule books, which prohibited non-musicians from performing instruments in music videos. Okay. 
the BBC couldn't show Paul McCartney's video for whatever fucking reason. I don't understand that. But um, so I, I found the video to Paul McCartney's Spies Like Us and I listened to it. It's so fucking bad. It is so bad. Paul McCartney's theme song. It is laughably bad. So John Landis was all excited, like, hey, a Beatles writing the theme song to my movie. He hears the song and he's like, oh, this is fucking horrible. So he just threw it at the end credits of the movie. He was going to feature it in the movie because like, hey, Paul McCartney is writing a free song for me, but it was shit. So he's like, fuck it. Let's just shove it to the end credits Yeah, as far back as we can go. It is utter garbage, but apparently it did well on 80s radio. It hit number seven on the Billboard singles charts, and that was Paul McCartney's last top ten hit until 2015. (laughs) And you might be thinking to yourself, wow, it's amazing that Paul McCartney didn't do any music between 1985 and 2015. Oh, he did. And it says a lot about the music that he made between 1985 and 2015 that his last hit was the shitty theme to Spies Like Us. Yeah. It says a lot about Paul McCartney's music from the 80s and 90s and zeros. But I just love I just love this story that Paul McCartney wrote a song for free for John Landis's film and it was shit. Yeah. It's it, it seems to me like Sometimes creative people really just need each other because Paul McCartney was, was never as good as he was when he was with the Beatles and neither was John Lennon. Yeah. You know, I mean, they did some interesting work after, but it was not nearly the same. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. 100%. And then if you see a band break up and like shoots away from the rest of them, Sting would be a good example. Somebody like Yes. Well, when a band something- breaks up, to, to tie another episode to this episode, when a band breaks up, usually there's a Shawn Michaels and everyone else is a Marty Jannetty. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, what's the name of, uh, no doubt, what's the name? What's the name? No doubt. No doubt. What's your name? Space Shorts. Hold on. Uh, Gwen Stefani, the Gwen Stefani. Okay, that's how I remembered her name by singing "Space Pants." My friend Gwen Stefani is wearing space shorts. How weird! The Gwen Stefani from No Doubt would want to beat up who Gwen Stefani is now. (laughs) Yeah. But Gwen Stefani was the Shawn Michaels, and the rest of the band are Marty Jannetty. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That usually but, happens. But Simon and Garfunkel, they went more the Beatles way. Yeah. But when the band stays together, they're all Shawn Michaels. Yeah. But when they break up, there's one Shawn Michaels, and the rest are Marty Jannetty. 
Yeah. Yeah, like the police were a huge band, and then they break up, and it's like, I don't know what the fuck the bass player of the police is doing. <laughs> I know what Sting's doing. Sting is heading to uh, Peru, because he's writing music for a new musical called Kingdom of the Sun. I'm tying everything together. <laughs> this is the Avengers Endgame episode of the Pope on Film. Yes. Everything's coming back. Yes. Very excited. Tying everything together. All the loose ends. This is the season finale. So are we going to get to where John Landis directed Wolf Cop? Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> so that's it for the... I saw a great meme of... Um, uh, God damn it. What was that movie... What was that movie? And the guy is uh, like future Kung Fury. I saw a great Kung, Kung Fury, Fury meme the other day. Yeah. And it was a uh, Kung Fury. And he's like, what year is this? And the post-apocalyptic woman says it's 2020. And Kung Fury says, huh, that explains the laser raptors. <laughs> And it's like, thank you for, for bringing people to Kung Fury. Yes. People haven't talked about that film for quite some time. Tie in together everything. Everything. All the loose ends. So that's it for Steve's Historic Approximations this week. Next week, I'm not sure what we're going to be talking about because it hasn't magically fallen on my lap yet. But we'll figure it out eventually. So join us next time for more educationally uneducational fun with Steve's Historic Approximations. And cut on that. Funny. Yes. Uh, we still have a movie to talk about, but before we get there, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. Gotcha. We will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after this. Do 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 before you all try to kill yourselves. Because you're crazy. And you can project it back at the Bob. Bob is only what lives inside of each and every one of you. Oh, so you'll vote for anyone? Challenge accepted. How long will the war last? Will our own cities and homes be bombed? Which is our number one target? Germany or Japan? What are the supply problems? Can air power bomb Germany into submission? Can we build planes that can bomb Japan direct from continental America? Every American man, woman, and child must see victory through air power. And we're back with more of the Pope on Film. Act three, buddy! <laughs>
three. Act three. Act three. Yes, Bunny, my friend, it is time once again for all of us here at the Bourbon Film Podcast to casually stroll on in to our third and final act. And it's the third act wherein we finally and eventually get around to discussing our all-natural, organic, non-GMO, made with 100% all-natural baby teeth movie <laughs> of the week. And this week, um, Bunny? Yes. Bunny? Um, there seems to be something wrong. Uh, Bunny, where, where is Busy Bee? Where is Busy Bee? Where is Busy Bee? Did, did you oh, leave busy at the bee. hotel, Bunny? Did bee. you leave Busy Bee at the hotel? Bunny, if she doesn't <laughs> have her busy, she's going to flip out. Yes, this week we get to the 12th film. In our summer-long tribute to Fred Willard with the 2000 film Best in Show. Best in Show, yes. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. First off, I'm going to put this on, which should be legally okay for for maybe a little bit. But um, uh, this this film does not feel two decades old. This film is 20 years old. Shit's sake, this film does not feel 20 years old. Yeah, but you know, I think part of it is because the dog shows themselves, which they did a really good job representing, you know, they're kind of fucking timeless. You, You look at other films from the time. Let's look at other films from the time. Brendan Fraser's Bedazzled? Jesus. Okay, that's 20 years old. Coyote Ugly? That's 20 years old. Um, Space Cowboys. Space Cowboys. That's 20 years old. Uh, Jet Li's Romeo Must Die. Okay, that's definitely fucking 20 years old. Uh, But this film just does not feel like it was made. Two fucking decades ago. Kudos to this. (laughs) You know? But before we discuss the film, let's take a friendly trip to the Fred Willometer to see just how much Fred Willard is in this week's film. Now, Mr. Five Minutes does not pop up five minutes into the film, sadly. Yes. Wait, that's a tie-in to another episode because I'm tying everything together in this episode brilliantly. (laughs) The, the thing that I did like, though, there's a great symmetry to it because he pops up exactly halfway into this film. Yes. And I mean, literally, he pops up 45 minutes into the film and there's 45 minutes left. It is neat how he <laughs> right in the freaking middle. And I I dare say, I have not seen every film that Fred Willard has made, but um, I feel comfortable saying this. Um, This is one of Fred Willard's best roles. Yes. Yes. I'm very comfortable saying that out loud. The, The way that I see it is that Christopher Guest made three really good movies. Um. And the rest are various shades of which you can take. 
Because <laughs> I don't want them. I don't want them. You can have them. But Fred Willard did his best with Christopher Guest, and and his character in this Buck Laughlin is one of his best characters. Fun fact, legendary baseball catcher and announcer Joe Garagiola used to host fucking dog shows <laughs> in the day. And apparently he had no idea what he was doing, but he was famous and available. So they hired him and he would do these dog shows. And so that's what Fred Willard sort of, that's what his character is based on. Okay. On on Joe Garagiola hosting like the Westminster Dog Show, despite not knowing what the fuck a dog show is, <laughs> and I freaking love that. I he's like so he's much. like the world's nicest asshole. Yeah. yeah, you know, like he's completely an asshole. But he's just he's a really nice guy about it. <laughs> He's a, he is, I've never, I've never seen him here. I've never seen him at this location. I don't think he's a member. I don't think he ever did this, but Fred Willard is who I think of when I think of a classic Friars Club roast. Yes. Fred Willard will make jokes at you and make everyone laugh at you and make you feel like shit, but also you laugh with him and afterwards he has a drink with you. Because <laughs> yes, he's making fun of you, but he's also a nice fucking dude. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm just messing with you. Let's have a drink. That's Fred Willard. He's a roast. He's just like a walking Friars Club roast. Yes. You know? And most of his characters are are like that. Okay, so, Bunny, what are your preliminary thoughts on this week's movie? Uh, fun. It was fun. Uh, I, I've watched a few dog shows in my life. Um, they're not as interesting as they are long. You yep. know? Um, the, a lot, I could have done without the Parker Posey couple. You know, oh Jesus! Like like okay, they yeah. um, like they're the ones that are really having a hard time stick on my brain because they just weren't that interesting. But it yeah. was an interesting group of characters. The uh, Parker Posey. Let me tell you something. My crush on Parker Posey is uh, fascinating because when you look at Christopher Guest's first three films, which are wonderful, I am in love with Parker Posey in Waiting for Guffman. And she's just like right up here and I love her. And then when the next film comes, oh my God, I fucking hate Parker Posey. I absolutely fucking hate her. But then the third film, when she's a cult member in the new Main Street Singers, (laughs) right back up. Yes. Right back up in the outfit, singing and everything. Oh, it, it's, it's, so I, I hate her, 
in this movie. I hate her character. I hate her acting. I hate her braces. I hate the lisp that she has with her braces. Both of the characters actually got braces. I don't know what you would call installed in their mouth just for this film. So she's actually wearing braces and she had never worn braces before. So it gives her this weird lisp when she talks and it's annoying. And the worst thing that I hate about Parker Posey is that she's beautiful. But in this film, she has goddamn Ant-Man hair and I fucking hate it. I hate that goddamn Ant-Man hair that she has on her fucking head, and I hate it. In the in in the the first uh, originally, her character was going to be a big pill popper, but they cut it out so that they could uh, be so the film could get PG thirteen. Yeah. Because apparently, if she had been popping pills the entire time, that would have been R. But the character, two, the both of them, uh, Meg and uh, Hamilton, they were the origins of the film. Because apparently, Christopher Guest had an idea, a very basic idea, and not even an idea, just just a, a theme. Anyway, Christopher Guest got a notebook and he just wrote it. He opened up the notebook and he wrote down two words catalog people okay and that was the original basis for what would eventually become christopher guest's best in show that was the original like i just have two sentences i'm gonna turn this into a movie and eventually it just explodes into this crazy cast of characters so i think that's interesting i hate these two i hate these two um, they're so annoying to, 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 to quote, to paraphrase the president. I could shoot the both of them in the middle of fifth Avenue <laughs> and I would not lose a wink of sleep. So, but, but, okay. So three Christopher Guest movies, I think are the best. He did Waiting for Guffman. It bombed at the box office, but it became a huge cult hit, especially when it was released on VHS and DVD and all of that, which allowed him to then make Best in Show, which was a success. And then that was followed up with a mighty win. The other Christopher Guest movies, you can have them. I don't want them. But these three, in my mind, are almost like a trilogy. And and it's backed up by the fact that you see people the, the fun thing about watching all three of these Christopher Guest films is to see the people that pop up. Yeah. You know, not just, hey, there's Dr. Alan Pearl again. Hey, there's, uh, you know, uh, I'll always have a home at the Dairy Queen. But but the little people like the the flex, uh, Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara yes. go to visit uh uh friends and one of them is 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 uh an elected official in blaine and the other one is dr alan pearl's wife <laughs> you know, who who i fell in love with in a mighty win and then uh like little people like that like the 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 blaine historian is in charge of the arena and and stuff like that so it's nice to see people pop up and then uh, there was a there was a woman who has a small part in this film who I who doesn't pop up again until for your consideration, which I thought was interesting. But and another thing that I really like about this movie is the fact that okay, I, I so I hate I hate Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara's characters. 
Okay. And I, hate, I thought they were okay. But the thing that I like is the fact that they're singing these horrible, atrocious fucking dog songs yeah. throughout the movie. And they're horrible at singing and the songs are really bad. But um, it's real interesting having done A Mighty Wind and then eventually going to Best in Show because it's so it, it's out of order. So you yeah. see them singing these horrible dog songs and you just know that eventually they'll be on stage at the Oscars winning, you know, like singing one of the nominees for Best Song. Yeah. Like the same people who sang the shitty dog songs yes. will be up for an Oscar for best song. Yes. Like, like I like that. Okay, so I hate almost all of the people in this movie. I hate all of them. Yes. So let's let's go down. Let's go down the line here. Okay, Harlan Pepper, the guy who owns the Bloodhound. Yes. I swear to God, I've seen him in my town. You, and you know he's a Trump supporter. I swear to God I have seen him at our town's Danny's at 5 a.m. opening a month's worth of mail. <laughs> and then there's the catalog people. I fucking hate them. Um, yeah. And then I said this earlier on the podcast. I'm going to say it again. Uh, nowhere on the Internet does it say this. Not on IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, Wikipedia, nothing. But Jennifer Coolidge's rich-ass two-time dog show winner is obviously Anna Nicole Smith. Yes. Jennifer Coolidge said in an interview that it's based on a stuck-up person, and she used to babysit this person's kids in a mansion in L.A. when she first moved to L.A., but that's obviously, obviously a lie. She's doing an Anna Nicole Smith who, at age 27... Married 89-year-old billionaire J. Howard Marshall. Yes. So that's half of her character right there. And also, we know from her eventual E! Entertainment reality show, the Anna Nicole Smith show, she was not the sharpest tool in the shed. No. Anna Nicole Smith. So Jennifer Coolridge, you won't find this on the internet, but God damn it, she is obviously Anna Nicole Smith in this. I, I would have to agree. I think you make a strong, strong case. And I, I, I don't like uh, Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara, uh, the flex, who end up, spoiler alert, winning the whole fucking thing. And the reason why I don't like them is that, number one, this is the film where you go, okay, Eugene Levy obviously has a type. Yes. And there's, there's just not enough that separates uh, Gene Fleck from Dr. Alan Pearl, in my mind, it's just too similar. Christopher Guest does a complete 180 oh, from yeah. flamboyant, uh, quirky St. Clair to Harlan Pepper, who works at the bait shop yes. in the South. But Eugene Levy is basically the exact same person, except he has two left feet. Uh, yes. And also, I have dated Cookie Flex before. Well, 
everybody has. <laughs> I, I have, I have, I have a lot of pain in my life from the women that I have dated, not now, but the women who I have been with where, where, where literally they say, Oh yeah, no, I've done a lot of partying and I've been with a lot of guys and I've had a slutty face. Sure. But I'm so glad to settle down with someone simple like you, Steve. <laughs> And it's like, oh, you don't have to fucking say that. That hurts. Let's go out. And then we go out and I meet two of your ex-boyfriends. I have been in that relationship. Yeah. You know? And it just, it hurts to watch. Because I have been the Eugene Levy in that situation. So that might be one of the main reasons why I hate this. I hate all of these people except for the gays. Yeah. Except for the two gays, I fucking love them so much. I love the dynamic. I love the fact that, like, hey, here's the flamboyant one, and here's the sensible one. You know, like, every time, every time he would come out with the dog in the dog show, I was like, my first instinct was like, Look at this guy making an entrance. And then a second later, it'd be like, look at this guy making an entrance. (laughs) And, and also when they're explaining, when the two guys are explaining how they got together, I just love the reality of Michael McKeon saying, we like the same stuff. Yeah. That is such a realistic look at a relationship. And I just, I love that line so much. Like, oh yes, we went out a few times. We like the same stuff. It's the all American romance. That's so fucking perfect. (laughs) And also while we're talking about people we hate, I don't care who you are. No hotel manager is letting you sleep in the utility closet. (laughs) Nobody. And also, what happened to Ed, Ed Begley Jr.? Remember when he was everywhere? What yeah. is he too busy saving the planet now to be in films? Or am I just not seeing the films he's in? Um, I don't know. I, I, I rarely see Ed Begley Jr. Yeah, but back in the day, you'd see him everywhere. Yeah. He was everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know? So then, so so I don't like I don't like a lot of the people in this film. There's no one I'm rooting for except for the gays, but they're not going to win because they're the gays, which is yeah. sad. But it, it, it's a Hollywood movie, so 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 there you go. So like I'm watching the film and I'm like, oh, this is a pretty good film. Oh, I hate these people, and I and and that's like too close to home. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I hate the catalog people. Uh, Harlan Pepper is too close to home, living in a small town in Oklahoma. My wife has been gardening. We have a garden outside, and it's really pretty. And she's been working on it so much that all of the time now, we have to go to our town's Ace Hardware store. Okay. And I swear to God, every time I go, Harlan Pepper is there. Yeah. I swear to God, Harlan Pepper is there every time I go to fucking Ace Hardware store. Um, There's no one I'm really rooting for. And then you get to the halfway point of the film and God 
damn it, it gets so much better when the dog show starts. Yeah. Because I feel that there's two people that save this movie. And there's the serious British host Trevor Beckwith and fucking Buck Laughlin. <laughs> I just love them so much. Those two. I love them so much. Th- those two being together. When I was in college, I helped out the the college's uh, TV station. There was a TV station and I would help them out with things if they needed yeah. a camera in there and they would hook me up with free merch and like movie tickets and stuff like that and the 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 head of the channel had a great idea to do a sports show a half hour weekly sports show and he would have it hosted by his two friends who know nothing about sports me and some other guy and so we did two episodes of a sports show together and it aired <laughs> once on the the campus tv station and it never aired again but my it, it was a real horrible show but the part that i loved is we went to go see a college baseball game and i became obsessed with the guy in the audience ringing a bell okay. he had a cowbell and he would just ding, 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 ding. Let's go, team. Let's go, team. And we'd be there in the in the like announcer booth, going, "Okay, so a guy hit the ball. Not really sure if this is good or bad because of this guy with the bell <laughs> who both shot up. Let's see if we can interview him. Let's go. Let's go try and interview the guy with the bell." So I I just love Buck Laughlin just not knowing. Apparently, the actor who plays Trevor Beckwith studied dogs intensely and went to dog shows and really like went into it. And he does such a good job that that people apparently are floored at the fact that he's just a fucking actor and isn't an actual dog show judge. Yes, which is good he does in this movie and then Fred which Willen was is- yeah which kind of had me suckered in as well until i was like yeah. wait that's scully's dad from x-files <laughs> yeah <laughs> so then fred willard's like okay i need to learn about dogs and christopher guess is like learn nothing yeah. please Go in blind. Your character will be all the better for it. So I just, I just love the both of them. And then the show is such a big deal. So okay, so I have two stories I wanted to mention about this movie. Okay, okay. number one, Jane Lynch. She is the lesbian handler who helps Jennifer Coolidge's rich character. Together, they have the standard poodle. Uh. Apparently, before Christopher Guest became a successful movie director, he directed a lot of commercials. And you would hire Christopher Guest if you really wanted a funny commercial. And Kellogg's Frosted Flakes wanted to start doing commercials for adults. Okay. Funny commercials, not just saying, hey, kids, try Kellogg's Frosted Flakes, but like, we want these funny commercials to go, hey, adults, you should also be eating fucking Frosted Flakes. So they hired Christopher Guest, and he had an idea to ad lib these funny commercials about a couple that uh, were hanging out at the Kellogg's <laughs> home offices because they were huge fans of Tony the Tiger and wanted to see him. Okay. 
So they hired some actor who I've never heard of and a young Jane Lynch who was struggling and had been small parts and everything, but she never had a breakthrough. And so Christopher Guest hired Jane Lynch and they do, they did this series of Frosted Flakes commercials. And she was so funny that like a decade later when he's casting best in show, he's like, okay, this is going to seem weird because no one knows who she is, but I hired this person no one has heard of for a serial commercial yeah. nine years ago. I'm going to try and get her because she'd be great in it. So now Jane Lynch is like freaking famous and she hosts game shows and she's in all of these movies and everyone loves her. And she got her start in this film because Christopher Guest did a series of weird Frosted Flakes commercials. <laughs> and I saw the commercials and they're really cute and they're, and they're just camped out outside the headquarters and they see someone coming in. And they're like, hey, hey, can you bring out Tony? Who's Tony? Ah, nice try. Don't act like you don't know. And then like a woman comes out and she's wearing like a cheetah print outfit and they're taking pictures. Oh, my God. She looks he looks more. He looks different. I thought he I thought he looked bigger. <laughs> It's a cute commercial. It's basically a Christopher Guest movie in a 30-second serial commercial, but that's why Jane Lynch is famous, because of Tony the Tiger, which is weird. Okay. okay. So, second story. Best in Show was a hit. Before Best in Show, uh, Christopher Guest did Waiting for Guffman, which no one saw in theaters, which just absolutely fucking bombed. Yeah. It didn't even make half its budget. And for a film to really be considered a success, it has to at least make twice its budget back. Okay. So it costs $5 million. For it to be a success, it needs to make $10 million in the box office because whatever the budget of the film is is what they usually do for like advertising the film. So if you make a film and it's $50 million, you better hope that you your film at least makes $100 million for the film to break even. So Waiting for Guffman bombed in the box office, but it became a huge cult hit and people were renting it like motherfuckers. And so they said, okay, well, we'll let you do another film. And it took a while, but eventually he did Best in Show. It cost $10 million to make Best in Show. And I'm assuming most of that is just the goddamn dog show. That is an impressive set piece for the last half of the film. Yes, you got an is. entire arena. You had to create an entire dog show. You yes. had to create an entire dog show. And the reason why he had to create an entire dog show, fun fact, um, when they wanted to do this dog show film, uh, Christopher Guest went to real dog shows. Hey, Westminster Dog Show. Uh, can we do uh, a film? Can we film a movie at, at your dog show? And they said, no. Okay, what else? The National Kennel Club dog show. Hey, can we do the movie at your dog show? And they said, no. So Christopher Guest said, then we need to do our own fucking dog show. And they had to do it in one whole day like an actual dog show. And the reason why they had to do that is the actor who plays Trevor Beckwith was directing a movie 
Okay. At the time, and he said, I've got one day to be in this film. So Fred Willard only filmed for two days and Trevor Beckwith only filmed for one day. So when they do the dog show, they do it in real time. They did the same thing with A Mighty Wind when they were doing the tribute concert. That is an actual half hour concert that they actually did. Yeah. And so they did an actual dog show. So the movie made $20.8 million at the box office. It cost $10 million and made $20.8 million in the box office. So that's a hit. That's a hit. That's a big hit. And it was very successful. So successful. I couldn't believe this when I learned this. Blown away by this. So do you know the national dog show? Uh, no, I Okay, well, let me follow this up. The National Dog Show is the dog show that always plays on Thanksgiving after the Macy's Parade. I thought that was Westminster. No, it's the National Dog Show. It is not the Westminster Dog Show. It's the National Dog Show. Oh. And it might and in my mind I thought, "Oh, it's always been like, hey, here's Macy's, here's the Dog Show. Then they'll replay the Macy's Parade, then they'll replay the Dog Show." And in my mind I think that has always been a thing. But no, the National Dog Show started in 2002. Because NBC saw fucking best in show in 2000 and said, oh, so this movie is all about the like Super Bowl of dog shows. Why isn't there a Super Bowl of dog shows? Could we do a Super Bowl of dog shows? So the national dog (laughs) show after the Macy's parade started in 2002 because of best in show. Okay. They saw this movie and said, yeah, let's do a World Series of Dog Shows. Let's do it. And that's what they did (laughs) every year on Thanksgiving. There's a two-hour-long best-in-show-based dog show. Yeah. That blew my mind. (laughs) I thought that was the Westminster dog show as well. But no, it's a different dog show. There are three main dog shows. And the third one was created because Best in Show was such a hit. That's the weirdest fucking fact I could find about this movie. Well, it would have had to have been Westminster prior to that, though, though, is what I'm thinking. No, it's a separate dog show. They still do the Westminster dog show. Not if they did it in 2002. The the National Dog Show started in 2002. Right. So before Best that... In show, Best in Show was in the year 2000. And before that, if they showed any dog show competitions, it was probably Westminster. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. But every year, the National Dog Show after the Macy's Parade is based on Best in Show. And that's really fucking weird. <laughs> that, that is, is really fucking weird. Yeah. That is. Anyway, I love this movie. I said to my I said to my wife, I said, Natasha, this is the easiest week I've had of the podcast. Because we're doing best in show. I could do that. I could do that blindfolded. Mm-hmm. I love this freaking movie. That being said, funny, we need to discuss something. Sure. Okay. Because it's the end of the summer. I've still got four or five Fred Willard movies. Okay. 
I'm a when we when I came up with the idea for the summer of Fred Willard, the first thing that I said was, should we do Wally? Let's skip Wally. If you add Wally, I have five movies, Fred Willard movies still to do. But skipping Wally, I have four. He was in an Air Bud film, the wrestling one, where a Jack Terrier is wrestling. I have uh, a weird movie parody that, that I didn't know existed. They made a black parody of Fifty Shades of Grey called Fifty Shades of Black, and Fred Willard's in it for some reason. <laughs> oh. okay. uh, Fred Willard was also in a Paul Rudd romantic comedy I've never heard of, where Paul, a young Paul Rudd gets into a, uh, uh, starts a, uh, an affair with an older woman played by Michelle Pfeiffer. Okay. And Salem's Lot, which I found for free on archive.org. Okay. So my question is, do we end it here or do we keep going? I mean, we, we, every summer we do a theme. And so do we keep going with the theme after the summer? No, I, th- I think I think, and now we just really have never run into this problem before, because there's you so know. much fucking Fred Willard out there. Yeah, but I I think it's got to I I think the end of August has got to be the official close of summer. But I have never seen Salem's Lot before, right? So I don't know. Well, we've got like one more, one more show for the summer. One more show, okay. One more show because this is the twelfth, right? It's like Fred Willard's twenty-third. Yeah. So, so one more week is what you're saying. One more week. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely get through August. Sweet. In that case, Salem's Lot. 1979 in the entire thing is right there for free on archive.org. Not sure why, probably because it's a made for TV movie, which I didn't realize, but it's right there. So if any of you were watching this, you can play along at home because it's just fucking right there. I'm sending you the link right now, just to be clear, because sometimes those archive.org movies are difficult to track down. Cool. But there you go. It is right there. I've never seen it before, so it should be interesting. I've heard that it's actually scary, as opposed to some other Stephen King things, that this one is actually scary and good. It's good. It's good. Yeah. So It's made so, for TV. Yeah. And you could feel it. You yeah. know? I've heard the same thing about that made-for-TV movie, like Night of the Scarecrow, I think it's called. I've always heard that that's an excellent movie. Yeah, that it's a made-for-TV movie, so it's not it's not like gory, but that it's supposed to be really good and actually frightening and shit like that. Yeah, Yeah. that and Salem's Lot. I've heard about that. Okay, so next week we are doing officially. Let me pencil it in. Next week we're doing Salem's Lot. Boom. We can talk about Stephen King. We can talk about uh, J.K. Rowling. We can talk about whatever we want because it's our fucking show. Right. Yes, we can, damn it. So that's next week. That'll be fun. But now that I'm looking back at this week, 
Tony the Tiger, Anna Nicole Smith. Well, one last thing I just want to say, seeing that this is a second, a separate section of the show. Yes. Everybody get over to the Facebook discussion group, the Pope on Film. Get involved because that's where the live video for the show is going up, and we're doing more live video now. I, I, yes. you, you could see me nodding at the screen instead of actually seeing. That's a, that's the first sign that you're transitioning from an audio show to a video show. So Yes, a lot of this is becoming more visual. Yes. Yeah, so it, it, this is a good show, and you should keep listening to it. But if you want the full Pope on Film experience, yes. you should head to our to the Facebook group. Yes, is what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent agree with that. But now that I'm looking back at this episode, so many highs and lows. Uh, Paul McCartney, John Landis, the murderer. QAnon, Kevin Costner. I gotta say, this has been a pretty good episode. This, this has, has been. been a damn good episode. Okay, good. I feel the exact same way, but I didn't want to say that because you're the one who decides that. I didn't want to step on your toes. John, yes. John Landis was a surprise treat. <laughs> yeah, especially since you just downloaded a schlock, which I did too. So, so we have a psychic bond. Yes. Sheridan. So that's good. But yes, I agree. I agree. I didn't want to say I didn't want to say it was a damn good episode because I didn't want to, you know, toot my own horn or anything like that. But yes, I concur with your assessment, good sir. So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Steven on behalf of Natasha and Emerald and Bella and Eleanor and Maxwell and everybody else. I just want to say thanks for listening and we will see you next week. You codless heathens. Do, 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 Cut and print. Cut and print. That was good. Oh, cool. All righty. Bye.